0: is high crime. High crime. <laughs> and I realize we haven't done anything in like a really long time. Although to be fair, like the world is crumbling around us. Yeah, sadly, but surely. And I also turned 30. Whoop so. whoop, dirty <laughs> but I just, we're both home because where else will we be? Listeners, I truly hope you are not going to barbecues this weekend. COVID is so real. There are so many cases in LA and Texas and like Florida is just a nightmare. But yeah, if I'm being frank, I don't think that America deserves a holiday this year, so I'm perfectly content not celebrating 4th of July. Yeah.
1: Honestly, but truly.
0: And speaking of, because I know I posted stuff on Instagram, but since we haven't had an episode, so I haven't really talked about it, your feeds may have gone back to normal. Hopefully not. Hopefully you follow enlightened people, but just in case you don't, black lives still matter. Um, We still need to arrest the men who killed Breonna Taylor. I think someone got fired whoop fucking do I got laid off when I worked at Tiger Beat because it got canceled for like a hot minute. That's not that's not a punishment. When someone ha- someone's job, because of how horribly mishandled everything is, right. allows them to kill someone else with no judge, no jury, nothing. They just can shoot them because they feel like it. Taking the power away from them to do it again is not enough of a punishment. It's the same thing with all these YouTubers who are, like, saying sorry and, like, look, I mean, if anyone knows me, I'm not a big YouTube person because I am cancer and so I'm all about, like, justice and fairness and so I want someone to, like, work and have a talent and, of course, people, like, my friend, I have friends who do, like, hair and makeup and, like, they are so talented and I'd watch whatever they do. But anyway... My sister loved Jenna Marble, so I, like, would watch some of her videos, and she's hilarious. But, I mean, looking at her past, she has done problematic shit, and I'm happy that she has since learned better and taken things down. But I'm also white, so I was never, like, affected by her content the way that other people would be. And it's not white people. It's not your place. If someone did blackface, it's not your place to say you forgive them because you aren't the people who are hurt by it. (laughs) I saw a great tweet um, and it was like, the apology is not the consequence. And I think that is like a really good Good statement because people are like, look, she's crying in a video like she's sorry. And it's like, that's fine. But intent is not really always the thing that's important. If people are hurt, you can't talk about that you didn't intend them to be for them to be hurt because they are hurt. So unless you have a time machine, like that's irrelevant. Anyway, okay, I didn't want to, like, I didn't (laughs) want to just, like, do a TED Talk, but I just figure as a true crime podcast, it's our responsibility to talk about this shit, and there are way too many innocent black men and women and fucking children dying, and the thing is, it's not even relevant. It doesn't even matter if people are innocent or not, because by the American justice system, even as fucked up as it is, It's not how we do it to just decide on the spot whether someone gets to live or die. We have a whole court system. You get a trial. You have the option of, like, a jury of your peers. Like, when a cop shoots someone dead, they're erasing all of that. That's, I mean, we're talking about Fourth of July. That's un-American. So, I don't even know where I was going with this. But just, like, stay Keep paying attention and keep listening to people, especially if they are different than you are, because if you only hang out in your own little circle, you're never going to learn. Yeah. So now, since life obviously is still a dumpster fire, um, and every time I go to write notes, I just get really sad and then I don't want to do it, which sucks because I love this podcast. So a bit ago, here, have to relate that. A bit ago, I saw a listing for these True Crime 2 collector's cards packs um and this is uh if you're a fan of the podcast my favorite murder karen and georgia got these they were a gift from steven and so i saw this listing on i think it was on etsy and it was like eight bucks or something ridiculous i was like i need to have this so i thought it could be fun to open these on video if you are so inclined to watch And I will make this an episode and we'll kind of read some descriptions on the cards. And then if you guys hear something you like, like message us, comment, whatever, and we'll cover that as a full story. Because I do want to get back into doing this regularly because it does make me happy, even though I feel like especially with like if you know astrology at all, there were like six planets retrograde. So, it's, like, there's a lot of things going on emotionally. It's been a crazy week. (laughs) It's been a crazy couple of months. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) It's, like, Earth is going, like, it's
0: been insane, so. It's been really insane. So, yes. Okay. So, you get a pack, and then we have an extra one. So, we're just gonna, yeah, we're just gonna open this up. Very cute packaging. Right? And it's from, like, the... Well, this is two. So wait, when is this from? Because I know one pack a ninety-two. So like, okay, I was two years old and you weren't born yet. <laughs> okay. I love retro shit. Like I really do. These are great because people like freaked out because they were like, you know, this is why are you glorifying them? Baseball cards of killers. It's disgusting. Oh, and then of course, whenever you freak out about something, like, that's the thing that I wish conservative people knew is, like, the, the more that you freak out about how awful something is or how dangerous or whatever, the more we're going to want to see it. Yeah. Let's, you know what I want to do? So I'm going to kind of spread mine, like, like, I'm going to do a magic trick, but I love magic, but I can't do magic. But I just want you to pick, pick the card, and then I'll read it. Okay. We have Frederick Wortham. Let's give you this because he's, he's got a distinct look. Okay. Let's see. Oh, he's a psychiatrist and he's German. Okay. Buckle up. Okay. Uh, psychiatrist Frederick Wortham, born in Germany in 1895, became a U.S. citizen in 1927, taught at New York University, and practiced at Bellevue Hospital. His specialty was criminal psychiatry with emphasis on young offenders. His Court of General Sessions Psychiatric Clinic was the first facility to give psychiatric evaluations to all convicted felons, and he was an expert witness at many trials. What? Wait, so is he like a great guy? I thought these were all killers. (laughs) Anyway, um, in 1940's articles in the Ladies Home Journal and in his 1954 book, Seduction of the Innocent, Wortham outlined his theory that crime comic books are a key contributing factor to juvenile delinquency. Wow. Bolster- insane. <laughs> Bolstering his hypothesis with outright misquotations, he argued that since many juvenile offenders had read comics, comics had contributed to their criminality. Non-delinquent children who had read comics did not figure into his study. See, this is how fucking troubled white, like, if you, like, the episode that Jamie did on, um, oh, fuck, what is that guy's name? Cropsey in Long Island, I think. These, in the early days, like, they knew so little about medicine, and these white men would just decide something is the case, and then just operate with it, and there was no, like, questioning them. Yeah. Because they're doctors. And so, this man literally did a study... On people who were violent, violent juveniles who read comic books didn't have a control group and didn't didn't talk at all about all the people who did watch or did read comic books but weren't violent. Like that's not a, that's that not work? that's not a full study if you don't <laughs> present the entire case. He's just like, here's the facts that I like, so this is what I'm going to tell you. Created
1: in like ten
0: seconds. <clears throat> so Wortham found a willing audience in church groups. Well, fucking, of course he did. No surprise there. PTAs, politicians, and newspaper editors. They built a national movement against comics, sponsoring legislation, book burnings, and boycotts. In 1954, Esthers Kvauer, as part of the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee Investigating Juvenile Delinquency, (it's a long name, <laughs> yeah. uh, held hearings on comics. The testimony included claims by military officials That they had banned comics from PX stores because they were too violent for soldiers. These people are trained to kill. How is a comic book too violent for them? The EC line was actually banned because it portrayed the Korean War in a negative light. After the hearing, several comic book companies formed the Self-Censoring Comics Code Authority. Most who did not join were driven out of business. Wortham died in 1981 but his ideas resurface whenever people try to censor creative material in the name of protecting children. Damn. That was an interesting one. Yeah. Look at this fool. Oh my God. Just in case anyone was unsure of where this podcast stood, you're like violent programming is not going to make you violent. If you want to hurt someone, that's probably why you're watching the violent programming. And that is not the cause. Like they're, I can't think of smart words right now. But, like, I watch a lot of horror movies. I fucking love horror. And yeah. I have a panic attack trying to kill a spider. So, like, yeah. they're not related. Legit. You're trying to create things that aren't there.
1: Right. It's like the
0: movie, like, the number 23 with Jim Carrey. Like, I liked that movie. But also, if you want to prove a point, you can you, you can manipulate numbers to make anything do. Like, if you want to just be like, oh, my God we're going to die because everything I see adds up to 16. Yeah. And then I could do, you know, the mental gymnastics necessary to make everything add up to 13. Like you can make that happen. Like statistics yeah. are so hard because they're so easy to fake. Yeah. So, Cause they're
1: just a bunch of people just making up shit.
0: Yep. Like, do you want to read one? Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess I'll just like shuffle through it. Okay.
1: I was gonna like turn them over, but then I'm like, you can see their names. Yeah, you can still see. She's taking this real serious. I am. Serious. <laughs> I'm serious shit.
0: Ah. Ooh.
1: Okay, Albert Anastasia. Anastasia? I
0: Anastasia? I don't know that one.
1: He looks interesting. Let's see. This is him,
0: y'all. The culprit. Let me see. Oh God,
1: okay. Okay. Born in Italy in nineteen oh three, Albert Anastasia arrived in America with his brother Tony in nineteen twenty. Tony became a power in the Brooklyn Longshoremen's Union, and the bloody and the bloodthirsty Albert became his enforcer. Anastasia enjoyed killing people and often kept pictures of bloody corpse in his wallet. Ew That is so gross. So is he
0: like a mob killer? He must be, and also, awesome, like, I would, An enforcer. I feel like that's, like, a mob thing.
1: I would want to smell his wallet, though. Like, just because, like, the dead corpse, like, it's, like, rotting... What?! Parts. I feel like it's, like, rotting body parts. Well,
0: but how do you smell it if it's a picture?
1: Oh, it's pictures of it. <laughs>
0: oh, well, dude. I so, like, read past that, and I thought he, like... Kept headphones. In and his, I'm like, how big is, a corpse And his dude, wallet? Dude, I was like, how
1: big is his wallet, though? Like, <laughs>
0: he's a lobster. He could, like, have a huge
1: wallet. I Maybe. Know. I guess that's fair. Um, <laughs> okay, I read that. Kept pictures, guys. Not actual corpse. Um, <laughs> where most people would have pictures of their children in the 1920s, a, a union murder got him 18 months in Sing Sing prison. Mm. That's an interesting name for a prison. <laughs> The only time he ever served for the dozens of murders he committed. Wow. Wait, how much time? Uh, It was the only time. It just says the only time he's ever served to, like, the dozens of murders he committed. Yeah. So not just, like, one dozen, but, like,
0: dozens. <laughs> like, how many is that? Is that, like... Well, like, a dozen is 12, obviously. Yeah. So if it's, like, dozens, it could be, like, 24 or 36. Is that yes. one right? Or 32? I don't know. I can't do math right now. It might be, I think. I mean, 48?
1: Ooh, That's 48? a lot of people. I don't think so.
0: I feel like he'd be more well-known.
1: After prison, Anastasia joined Joe the Boss Mazzarias. Mazzarias? Uh, I'm butchering I this Italian name. Gang, And they dream of being New York boss of bosses. Wow. Big dreams for them. Jesus. Uh, okay. This, this... I have
0: to be honest. Yeah. I am not a big fan of mobs. Really? Because, no, because for me, I think when it comes to true crime, aside from the whole like, I, I just generally the way I work, and I think it's a cancer thing. Is like the more I see and the more I read, is like I feel like I'm somehow more prepared. You know? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and one of the most fascinating things to me is why someone would do something like that. Yeah. And like, I love profiling. I love Criminal Minds. I love Mind Hunter, but. With mobsters, the reason is usually something very, like, obvious and understandable. Not understandable, yeah. like, justified. But just, like, like usually if someone is dead in a, mo- a mob, it's because they either were leaking information, they betrayed the boss, or they owe them money. Yeah. Like, that's very straightforward. Like, why did you kill him? He owed me money. Like, there's right. oh, not really an interest yeah. behind it. No, like, um, elaborate story. Yeah, like, I want to read about, like... I was going to say BTK, but I actually fucking hate him. He's such a goddamn loser. Who is he? His, he gave himself the name buying, torture, kill, and basically he would just, like, go and he would murder families and then, like, jerk off to their, like, daughters. Their, like, 11 or younger daughters. Like, he's, like, the creepiest creep. And he was, like, really involved in his community, and he was, like, um, like neighborhood watch or something, and he literally, like, stole this one woman's dog, like, got, would sometimes get out of her yard, and it drove him nuts because he was, like, I told you to keep him in. It's like, yeah, it's an animal. And so he literally got the dog and had it put down. He's like, he's one of those like stupid white men who was like a dork. So he feels like any amount of power you give him, he needs to overuse it.
1: And it's so funny because
0: the reason he got caught is because literally the cops, because he thinks he's this typical powerful man, needs to confirm his, his power and that he can get away with it. So he would write the newspapers and write the cops and stuff. And at one point, They asked for, or he wanted to send them a message and he was like, if I give you a floppy disc, can you track it to my computer? And they were like, no, 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 you can't. And he was like, okay, cool. And then they tracked it to his computer. Like how fucking stupid are you? And yet he thinks he's like this superior being like, he thinks he's so fucking smart. And I'm like, no, you're a dweeb. (laughs) You just happen to be super fucking violent. Like you're a loser. But people like Edmund Kemper, and I'll read his card. His story is fascinating because, like, he's a monster for sure. But he's also very charming, which is interesting because it's so disarming. And then he also had the most fucked up childhood ever. So it's like, yeah, it's very easy to see how he got... You know what I mean? I just think it's interesting. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. That is, like, something else, honestly. The jerking
0: off (laughs) to... Literally, the first family he killed, he... He would, like, suffocate them, but then he brought her down to the basement, and he hung her from a pipe, and then there was, like, semen on her clothes. Like, he didn't, thank God, he didn't, like, rape her, right? but, like, he jerked off on this dead child. Like, no one's gonna think you're, like, a badass. That's fucking repulsive. Yeah. Even in jail, like, they do not tolerate child killers. Or, like, yeah. Yeah. Wow, Which true. I love. I love that random jailhouse justice. Yeah. Everybody hates a pet file.
1: Anyway, it's the universal thing. We love it. <laughs> uh, back to Albert, who's also disturbing. <laughs> um, yeah. So him and Joe Adonis, Lucky, and Bugsy Mazzurri's revival. Dude, I am so sorry to those Italians out there. I'm like butchering this. But like I'm not a. We
0: have also had weed and white claws and yeah. whatever you made earlier.
1: I was like Bacardi on shoes. Yeah, the best combination. It's I think nice Bacardi summer. green tea is good too. Did you like that? It sounds super good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So and then a new crime. Anastasia, <laughs> along with Lepike, ran Murder Incorporated, a gang that specialized in contract murders. For the mob, so you were right. Mm-hmm. He was part of the mob. Yep. Typical.
0: Like the Iceman killer.
1: Yeah. This group committed almost 100 confirmed killings. Jesus. That's disgusting.
0: That's so many.
1: Estimates run as high as 500. <gasps> During its short uh, reign in the 1930s, before it became under attack by the New York City District Attorney's Office, by the time Lepke, or Lepke, Went to the chair in 1944. The murder incorporated killers had returned to fully time membership in various New York gangs. That's fucking crazy. And mafia families. Um, Anastasia resuming his role as underboss for mafia leader Vincent Mangano. But That's in 1951, creepy. the Kubarver hearings were attacking the leaders <laughs> of the New York New York crime syna- blah, 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 blah. syndicate. Syndicate. Oof. I'm villainous. <laughs> Louis Chano was gone, and two of his peers, Joe Adonis and Frank Costello, faced prison. Well, no surprise there. <laughs> Anastasia, like Vito Genovese, decided it was time to move up in the organization. And that was that. Damn,
0: okay. He doesn't have
1: eyelashes. Ooh. I don't know why that's important. <laughs> I mean, I mean
0: you can't right, trust them I'm mean, going to open this one. Okay. Or maybe I'm not. Yeah, I like struggle with that. One okay, here we go. Alright, let's see. Let's see who we've got. Oh, some good ones. Leopold and love A bunch of creeps. I don't know who that is. It's a cop. I bet these are like oh my god, Sonny Bean. I'm gonna read that one. Um, Sonny Bean is a great story because it's like, or you can pick one that you think looks interesting too. Sonny Bean is kind of like, do you know the story of Elizabeth Bowtry? No. Ooh, it's so good. Um, Lore has a good episode on it. That was one of his early ones, I think. Like, I don't want to be one of those dicks who's like, they changed, but like, I feel like his content used to be so much better. Because, like, when he first started the podcast, that was his focus. But now he has, like, multiple podcasts. He has a whole network. And he has the show. And he has his books. And it's, like, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, she was this woman. Damn, I forget what country she was from. Like, Austria or something like that. But actually, I don't think Austria. Maybe, like, Turkey. Anyway, she was, a like, because of, I don't know how people died so easily back then, she became, like, a very important person in a royal family, and then she married another important person, Then she, so she owned, like, all this land, and she was this big, like, queen, and it was, like, an honor if she chose, like, one of the peasant girls to be one of her ladies-in-waiting. But mm-hmm. She apparently also had a huge bloodlust, and it is said to have, like, tortured these poor... She also was, like, very afraid of, of aging, and so she believed that rubbing the blood of virgins on herself would like keep her young. They also do this. They have um, Kathy Bates do that in the coven season of American Horror Story. Yeah.
1: I love that season. It's so
0: bad. Yeah. But so some, some people say that she killed like 800 people, like some heinous amount, just tortured them in horrible ways. Other people say that that was the government trying to remove a powerful woman from power and that she actually didn't kill anyone and like there's rumors that she bathed in blood and it's like that's logistically not possible yeah so it's like and this is kind of sonny bean where it's like it there's like a 99 chance this is just propaganda to make the scottish people look bad but it's also a crazy legend so if you like my favorite murder they karen covered this on one episode um but here we go, because I don't think you've heard of it, have you? No. Okay. So... I haven't heard
1: of most of these. To be
0: like, <laughs> honest with you, Sonny Bean. Legend places the birth of Sonny Bean in Scotland during the 17th century reign of King James I. The son of peasants, Bean eloped with a local girl, and the two took up residence in a cave by the sea, accessible only at low tides, but near a well-traveled road between Edinburgh and Glasgow. The couple lived off the land and sea and robbery murders. <laughs> they had eight sons and six daughters, and their offspring incestuously produced 34 grandchildren. For 25 years, neither they nor their family set foot in town. In addition to killing those they robbed, the Bean family practiced cannibalism. Gross. It just keeps getting worse That's and worse. That's disgusting. As the children grew older, the Beans mounted attacks on increasingly larger parties of travelers. It has been estimated they killed between 100 and 1,000 people over the decades. When mutilated body parts washed up on beaches, suspicion fell on local innkeepers who had provided lodging for missing parties, and several were hung in error. The Beans were caught when they attacked a couple on the road. Killed and gutted the woman and fought with the man until they were driven off by 30 men returning from a fair. is everything, my friends. Yeah. Witness reports reached the king who led a troop that found the cave and captured the killers. The beans were marched to Edinburgh and executed by dismemberment. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, okay, and no, no, this is the other part of it. Uh, The legend of Sonny Bean may just be a legend. It first appeared in 1724 in Captain Charles Johnson's A General and True History of the Lives and Actions of the Most Famous Highwaymen, Murderers, Street Robbers, etc. It's a fucking long-ass name. Yeah. Jesus, people. Which derived its material from the cheap pamphlets of the day. There are no legal records of the case, and Johnson himself may have been a pen name for Daniel Defoe. So... It could all just be total bullshit. But it's like a fucking crazy story. Yeah. Cool. What'd you pick? Okay. I'm gonna have you read this one. Okay.
1: I chose him. George Hennard? Yeah, I was reading the back of it, just a little bit of it. It seemed interesting. It was between him
0: and uh, Bill. So this is George. Great looking man. I know. That's why I was saying. <laughs> Hmm, let's find out what he did. (laughs) He was born in 1956, the son of wealthy Texas parents who divorced while he was young. No offense, but the fact that he's wealthy in Texas, I'm already like, this is going to be bad. Uh, Though much of his life is still shrouded in mystery, Hennard showed signs of emotional and mental instability throughout his childhood and adolescence. His parents helped to support him and protect him from the world. Though he had less contact with his businessman father than with his mother, he couldn't relate well to women. Many of these men cannot. Damn it, I made that little sassy comment and lost my place. (laughs) He was hermitic, and he had no friends. A neighbor had reported him to police for harassing her daughters with threatening phone calls. Jesus, and letters that denounced them as treacherous vipers. But no action was taken. No surprise there. Police never fucking take it seriously when women say they're being threatened. On October 14th, 1991, Hinard called his mother and reported that he was doing just fine. He had recently celebrated his 35th birthday by himself. Oh, fuck. Two days later, he loaded and packed two 9mm pistols and extra ammunition into his blue Ford pickup truck. Fucking, of course, it's a blue Ford pickup truck. Um... Actually, I'm surprised it's not red. (laughs) And left the house his parents kept for him. Shortly afterwards, he drove his truck through the plate glass window of a Luby's cafeteria in Colleen, Texas. Exiting the truck calmly amongst the panicking patrons, Hennard held a pistol in either hand. He spotted a young woman with a baby and told her, you get that baby and get out of here. Then he turned his attention to the restaurant and said, it's payback time, Bell County. With calm features, he then began shooting the patrons. A group of police officers meeting nearby rushed to the scene. Once in position, they opened fire on Hennard and wounded him. He fled to a restroom where he killed himself with a single shot to the head. His murder spree left the 22 dead and 23 wounded. Holy shit. Man, that was that
1: stays with you that it's payback time
0: yeah what you're mad at your county what the fuck does that mean i don't know. It's okay crazy. um i just this one just caught my eye it looks like a voodoo doll so i yeah. feel like i need to read it i love voodoo dolls i'm so intrigued by them and so scared by them also um Very cool Juanita Poole was a very disturbed woman with a history of alcoholism and violence. Not a great start. Possibly schizophrenic, she suffered from delusions and often physically attacked those around her. In December 1982, Poole was living with a man in Montgomery, Alabama. After deciding to move, she enlisted the aid of a female friend to help her. During the move, Poole and her ex-boyfriend got into an argument over a small space heater. Poole drew a pistol and shot the man in the throat, killing him instantly. Her friend promised not to report the crime to police, and the pair left. The next evening, Poole asked the same female friend to accompany her to the home of her slain ex-boyfriend's female cousin. What are you doing? Once there, Poole accused the cousin of placing a voodoo curse upon her and of injecting her with dog's blood. She claimed that the result of the voodoo curse was that she was now pregnant with a litter of puppies. Naturally, the accused woman, a hardworking single mother who had led an uneventful life, denied the absurd charges, at which point Poole grew angry, pulled her pistol out, and shot the woman dead. Then she and, and her friend left, leaving the victim's children unharmed. Investigators were stymied by the two seemingly unconnected crimes, both against people who are well-liked, quiet, and virtually without enemies. However, the friend who had witnessed both murders could not remain silent and called the police. I mean, it's about time. Yeah. Like, how many people are you going to watch get murdered? Could not remain
1: silent. Like, yeah,
0: she could for long enough. Long enough for two people to die. In exchange for protection and anonymity, she testified against Poole, who was arrested. She was tried for the two murders and received a 20-year sentence. The last line of this is, she did not give birth to puppies. All right, we have a scary movie to watch, so I'm just going to read one last card. Okay, so I'm personally kind of obsessed with this killer, Um, Edmund Kemper.
1: I think he's also good looking.
0: (laughs) It's the glasses, man. Um, Mustache. I think the reason I'm so intrigued by Edmund, though, is because of how Cameron Britton, like, brilliantly plays him on the show Mindhunter. Uh, If you've seen it, it's on Netflix. He's in the second season a little bit, I think, but the first season is really, like, he's in it a lot. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, I mean, I know he was nominated for, I think, an Emmy, maybe a Golden Globe, but, like... He is so good at this role. It is ridiculous. Like he, I've watched videos of the actual Edmund Kemper and he fucking nails it Ooh. because the thing about him is he's creepy. He's a huge guy. He's like six, nine. Are you serious? Yes. Whoa. And he is massive and he could be so physically intimidating, but he also is so charming that it takes, you forget that you're talking to a killer. Like this guy narrates audiobooks. Like okay. I'm like, ooh <laughs> Oh my god. He's so a, hot. Well he's a winner well, though. <laughs> I'm gonna read this and you're not gonna be so hot, cause uh he's he did some pretty fucked up shit. Edmund Emile Kemper was born in nineteen forty-eight in California to an alcoholic domineering mother and an absent father. Mm. The middle child and only male, Kemper felt unwanted and misunderstood. He was constantly berated by his several times married mother and felt unable to please her. A lot of white male serial killers have serious issues with their mother. Mm -hmm. And then you'll notice a lot of the people who have issues with their mother, whether they're absent, whether they don't think they were good enough or, um, you know, whether they date. And so they think she's a slut. A lot of their hatred for women stems from their mother. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a common theme. During periods of increased stress, his mother sent Kemper to live with his grandparents. His grandmother was much like his mother, and he argued explosively with her. In 1965, Kemper, then 17, was again living at his grandparents while his mother married her fourth husband. Kemper shot and killed both grandparents with a rifle. He he was arrested, committed to a Tuscataro State Mental Hospital, and spent four years there trying to come to grips with his anger toward his mother. In 1969, he was released into his mother's custody. Why? Like, he obviously hates her. Why would you release him into her custody? Despite the strong objections of his... So even his parole board was like, do not release him to his mother. But they don't give a fuck, and they don't believe in mental health, and so they'll just do it anyway. In April 1972, while living at his own apartment but maintaining a second residence at his mother's, he picked up a hitchhiking co-ed, killed her, and took her body to his detached room at his mother's house. There, he dismembered her. Over the next 12 months, Kemper picked up and killed five young women, all of whom he dismembered, committed necrophilia upon, and photographed. He decapitated the corpses and kept the heads after disposing of their bodies. On Easter 1973, Kemper strangled his mother decapitated her, and physically and verbally abused her corpse. Later that day, he killed her best friend in the same manner. Within three days, he turned himself into police. He was convicted of murder in 1973 and is serving life in prison without chance of parole. Wow. Yeah, it's a fucking insane story. Um, yeah. And another thing is, he all he wanted was to be a cop, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't let him because they said he was too big. And so he would go to this cop bar and hang out with all these cops, and they loved him. They called him Big Ed. Okay. So, like, he literally would be committing these murders, and then he would go hang out with the cops who were investigating them and, like, chit-chat with them about the murders that he committed. That is so creepy. At one point, he went to a check-in with his therapist, and he had the beheaded head of a woman in the trunk of his car when he met with But he was, he's super fucking smart. So he learned what the therapist wanted to hear so that they could say that he was okay to go back out into public. And so he just would do that. Like he would outsmart all of his doctors. And that's why he eventually turns himself in. Yeah. Because he's just like, and he'll say like every time he has parole hearing, he says like, I don't want to go because he literally says like, I am too dangerous. I should not be in the real world. Yes, he is fucking, see, that's the kind of thing like I would love to just, like, like I'm not a scientist, so I wouldn't even know what it meant, but I would love to just, like, look at his brain. Yeah. Like, what the fuck happened? But, yeah, so, you know, we've got Edmund Kemper, Jack the Stripper. <laughs> um, oh, who is that? He looks so creepy. This one? Yes. Yeah, Richard Tingler, Jr. It's, it's a creepy name.
1: Watch
0: out for the juniors. Right? Abe Kid Relis. That's probably another mobster. A lot of these guys look like mobsters seaman Wright do not that is Nathaniel White Frederick I read I read that one. So yeah, I figured it could be fun to kind of just like show some of these these cards and um if you heard anything that you thought was really interesting and you would like to do a full story on just like comment or message or whatever. Yeah, I thought that could maybe be fun. And there's something else I wanted to say, but I don't know. So, basically, I just want to say, um, keep you know what? Any money you are going to spend on, like, fireworks or, like, beer for a barbecue or, like, I don't know what people spend money on for 4th of July. You – I know it sucks that we have to stay inside, but also let's try not to kill each other. Yeah. And, um – I say take the money you were going to spend on a party and donate it to color of change or black lives matter. Although I think there was some issue with like where the money was because it wasn't going to the actual black lives matter organization. So yeah. do color of change or ACLU or there's like so many and we try to post them whenever we see them. Um, keep posting about Brianna Taylor because it's not a meme. It's not a joke. We want those people arrested and held accountable for their actions. Yeah. And yeah, just try to hold it together. I know things are super hard right now. But, like, anything that brings you joy, just, like, try to spend time focusing on that. That's why I was trying yeah. to get this podcast out. And that's why I watch shows like Bob's Burgers because they make me happy. Or, like, baking. I love baking and I love doing crafts. My sister got me a sewing machine for my birthday. I'm so fucking excited. I was talking to my seamstress friend today. I sh- I was, like, showing her the pattern because I wasn't sure how, like, how to know how much... Uh, fabric to buy yeah. because I found this really cool uh, skull fabric at Joann's. So I might buy that and make that my new project because my sister also got me a pattern for a vintage dress with pockets. Oh, nice. So what I want to do is I want to make the dress and a mask to match it, and then I want to make somebody take pictures of me and be like, my fucking quarantine dress, (laughs) quarantine outfit. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to take me to make a dress. We'll get <laughs> <to it. laughs> but yeah, so just thank you for listening. You know, the Joe, we're on social, we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, most active on Instagram, I would say, but it's all high crime pod. If you are bored this weekend, this holiday weekend, it would be super awesome if you took like 30 seconds to leave us a five star review, because it really does make a difference. And if you are, for some reason, Disobeying stay-at-home orders and going out—the least you can do is grab your friends' phones and also give us five-star reviews. You shouldn't should we shouldn't be out that? anyway. That's the least we <laughs> can do because we know you're not wearing your mask. <laughs> so yeah, have a great holiday weekend, and know that we are going to be coming back, and Sloan will be back too. I just did this super last minute, and we're not in the same time zone. Um, but yeah, we're we're trying, guys. It's, it's tough out there, but we yeah. would like to get back to a normal schedule at some point. But until then, later, later buzz! <laughs> <laughs> Woo!